You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast. I am your host, Phantom Troublemaker, and today we're going to be talking about Avengers Age of Ultron. What a movie. We've got a nice crew on board today to talk about Age of Ultron, but I want to remind you first that you can find the Needless Things Podcast on iTunes and on Stitcher, and you can stream it from needlessthingssite.com. Where we post five days a week about music, movies, toys, all kinds of pop culture dorkery. Stuff that you want to read about, stuff that's fun to read about. Myself and a cast of talented writers provide you content each and every week on NeedlessThingsSite.com. We are part of the ESO Network. You can stream us over there as well. And ESOPodcast.com. Today... I am once again happy and excited and in a good mood. I just got off a conference call with Miss Lady Flex, the co-host of our forthcoming Dragon Con project. We are putting ideas together. We are figuring things out. It's very exciting. It's very fun. It's a little... uh, Not scary. Scary is not the word. But we just... Last year... We had such a big success with Whose F Is It Anyway, and we're doing something different this year, and we're excited. It's going to be fun, and I'll have more on that in the months to come, because we're not that far away from Dragon Con right now. Speaking of Dragon Con, it was announced yesterday, a few days ago, to those of you listening, that the big, huge Force Awakens midnight toy launch is happening September 4th at midnight. This is during Dragon Con. Uh, I'm not super happy about that date. I'm super happy that they're doing a midnight launch again because the prior Star Wars midnight toy launches, I have fond memories of being at Toys R Us at midnight and buying a ton of new Star Wars toys. Uh, Star Wars toy launches are, are special, even if they're not at midnight. Even when they did the Clone Wars launch, uh, it was it was huge. It was great because to all of a sudden have that many new toys on the market at the same time, you know, over the past few years, every toy line that I collect, you know, they kind of slowly drizzle out over the course of time. You don't get big launches with tons of vehicles, tons of figures, tons of new stuff all at once. It, it just doesn't happen with with the stuff that I collect. You still get them with some of the kids' toy lines. Uh, and it's exciting because I'm, you know, buy stuff for my son or whatever, but nothing matches a Star Wars toy launch, and, and I'm excited about it. But I'm bummed that it's on this date because one, I really wanted to take my son and let him experience it, and he's going to be in school, uh, and and I don't, you know, as much as I want him to experience the Star Wars toy launch, it's not worth missing a day of school over. 
I, I don't think I'm pretty picky about missing school days. Uh, my sister had a lot of trouble in high school because she had some illness, and she was like an A plus plus four point eight GPA, like excellent, incredible student. And but because she missed days, they tried to hold her back. Uh, I think a couple of times, and I think that's the dumbest shit ever. Uh, there, there's a whole laundry list of problems that I have with, with our country's uh, horrible, disgusting public education system. But, you know, to me, if you maintain an incredible GPA and you're not at school, that's actually a lot more impressive than the kids that are there every day and, you know, are struggling by with C's or whatever. Uh, I, I hate that. So I'm very paranoid about my son missing school days because I don't ever want to have to deal with that nonsense. But anyway, uh, it's right at Dragon Con. It's it's going to be Thursday at midnight is is when it happens, and I'll be down there Thursday night. So it's uh, already my son's taken out of the equation because he's going to be in school. We're all going to be at Dragon Con, and we're already discussing like ways to get to the closest Toys R Us, which is not close. There is not a Toys R Us close to Dragon Con. Uh, it's we had speculated about maybe trying to get Hasbro at Dragon Con to do some kind of weird special dealer room launch there, but that's not going to happen because big companies don't always go want to work with Dragon Con because Dragon Con is not a bullshit corporate event like a lot of the big cons are. Dragon Con is by fans; it's a very different thing. Uh, so sometimes it's tough to get that kind of cooperation going on. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. We'll see. I Maybe I'll keep you posted. I don't know. You, maybe you don't really care about that. Uh, but what you should care about is that the big toy launch is in September 4th at midnight. And it's it's going to be awesome. And don't miss it because it may not happen again. You know, we're getting a new Star Wars movie every year forever now. So I don't know that they'll they'll do this every time another one comes out. We we can't count on that. So it's going to be cool. Uh, today, I think I think that's all the intro stuff I've got. I don't have anything else to tell you guys. Nothing's going on with me. I'm putting all my effort into Dragon Con right now. I'm not worried about. Uh, oh wait, I do have something to put over. TimeGate Memorial Day weekend at the Marriott Century Center on the outskirts of Atlanta, just inside the perimeter. Uh, TimeGate 2015. I will be there. I don't know which days I'm going to be there yet, except for Sunday. I will definitely be there Sunday for an Earth Station Who panel that you do not want to miss. I guarantee you will never see. This is special. It's going to be a special, special panel. Uh, for those of you that may not know, I am also the co-host of a Doctor Who-oriented podcast called Earth Station Who. Uh, it's really how i broke in those guys you know they had me on the earth station one podcast which is the main show of the eso network and they liked me and the next day they offered me a co-host spot on earth station who which i've been doing uh for three years now which seems kind of crazy but that's that's what's up and we are recording our 100th episode at timegate it's going to be about the master it's going to be really awesome. I promise you, you want to be there if you can be there. 
All right, today I've got another special musical treat for you. These guys are buddies of mine that I've known for years and years. As a matter of fact, the guitarist did most of the tattoos that are on my body. A gentleman named Mr. Richard Davis, who's also doing the score for Frankenstein Created Bikers, which if you want to go and listen to that podcast with James Bickert, you should. Hopefully more stuff coming soon from that production. Uh, the band is called Gargantua. They are awesome and incredible, and they produced one of my favorite albums of all time called Voyage to the Bottom of Laguna Negra. It's a great, great album. I highly recommend you go to Facebook and you look for Gargantua, and there are ways to get that album. There are physical copies out there still if you're in the metro Atlanta area. Every once in a while, the guys will play a show, and if you can get out to see them, I highly recommend that you do. But they're just, they're great guys. They know how to play rock and roll. And today's track is relevant because there's a gentleman named Thor in Avengers Age of Ultron. And I like to think that if Thor had a theme song, it would go a little something like this. Welcome to the Needless Things Podcast, where we're going to talk about Avengers Age of Ultron. We have uh, a couple of old regulars, and, well, everybody's been on before, but I don't know that Beth has been here for one of our nerd roundtable-type talks like this before. So, the format's really the same as the thing we did for the Doctor Who, but welcome again to the podcast, Beth. Hey, thanks. It's nice to have you here. It's nice to be here. And of course we have our head of research, Mr. Ryan Schweck. Good evening, everybody. I'm ready to talk in depth about things in this movie that no one noticed nor cares about. (laughs) (laughs) As is your want. And uh, finally, we have the belligerent monkey, Jay Hornsby. Welcome back. Hey, everybody. I'm glad to uh, talk about it and listen to uh, Ryan's list of stuff that... uh, I didn't care. 
Yeah, Patch, I've, take notes. I, I'm excited to talk about it because I, I want to hear. I don't have a whole lot negative about it, but having seen it twice now, there are definitely things that I picked up on this morning that I didn't catch the first time I saw it. Uh, partially because I had to leave the theater a couple of times the first time, uh, but we won't get into the details of that. But one of the, one of the things I missed entirely because I got up to leave right as Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch were going to meet Ultron. So I missed the massive plot point of Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver hating Tony Stark for a very good reason. Yeah, it's kind of a big deal. Wow. Yeah, I totally missed the story about them being stuck in their, you know, in the rubble for three days staring at the Stark bomb waiting to die. It's like, okay. Because after it was introduced, Whedon forgot about it too. Oh, oh! <laughs> what uh, what makes you say that? Well, all right. So yeah, oh, we're stuck when we're ten years old, and it kills his family and kills everybody. So they turn against Ultron. You know, that's a good plot point. We thought that Ultron was just going to kill the Avengers. We're upset about him killing human life. We, we still wanted to blow up the world because that's where we right. keep our stuff. Totally legit doesn't get over the fact that Tony killed your parents and trapped you in a rubble, and yet you never bring this up again. There's never like a, hey, I'm sorry I did this, or a, like, there's like one line where he was like, this wasn't me, when he's in Claw's manufacturing thing. Yeah, yeah. Except in Iron Man 1, that's exactly who you were. Right. Right. Yeah, and that is, there's a lot of weird continuity stuff. Uh, I, I said I only had one issue. I've got I've got two issues that are kind of sticking with me and the first one since we're already on the topic of tony stark my biggest problem with the movie is at the end of iron man 3 tony stark blows up all the suits and gives us the impression that he's done being iron man at the opening of this movie (laughs) he is once again iron man with no word as to to how or why and as as it goes on, we find out he has two new suits also. Yeah, two or three new suits and, you know, full-time. That, that, that was also my, my one biggest complaint about it. And it kind of ties into the whole Ultron creation thing. I, I, I thought it the Ultron creation was too quick, you know, because essentially he said, yeah, I didn't. We got to the end of Iron Man 3 uh, because he was so weirded out, destroyed all his armor. So instead of making new armor, he was trying to create Ultron, and that was the big the big deal. But yeah, it just kind of starts with uh, kind of the status quo and and uh, partially freaking out because an armor was acting on its own. We already learned this was a bad idea from oh, Iron Man three. Well, and yeah, and that was the other thing is he's also got the Iron Legion at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, uh, which, which as far as Ultron goes, that I can rationalize because. When he talked to Banner about Ultron, first of all, Ryan, you had mentioned this on a podcast we did, I don't know how long ago, that it was entirely possible that uh, Hank Pym did design Ultron. And nothing that happens in Avengers negates that, because when Tony and Bruce talk about Ultron, he doesn't ever say, I made Ultron. He just says this would be good for Ultron. They both know what he's talking about. Clearly the Ultron project has been around for we don't know how long. So I think it's entirely possible this is some pre-existing 
project that maybe Tony pulled out of Shield. Right. Uh, you know, we it, it's been around. So the fact that he got uh, the Mind Stone and and it kind of you know they worked on it for three days straight. These are two of the smartest men on the planet. I can I can buy that. I can make that leap. Yeah. Well, and I wonder I, if we're going to get something on Agents of Shield because they've been pushing something's on that boat. Something Fury was protecting. Yeah. It has something to do with some kind of data. I kind of wonder if maybe in Agents of Shield they'll be like, oh yeah, we were totally protecting this whatever down here, and that could be part of it. I don't know. What were yeah, you going to say, Beth? Oh, I, I was always under the impression that Hank Pym did create Ultron. I thought that's where he came from in the first place. Well, in the comics, yes. Okay. But the movies, you know, are often yes. a different story, and, and they haven't specified, and, you know, they're not introducing Hank Pym as part of the Avengers. So now we don't know that story yet. Help me with this, because maybe I was just totally unclear of exactly how it happens, which is a lot to do with this movie. So they get the Mind Stone, mm-hmm. open it up. It's got this AI in it. They say it's an AI, but then they also already have an Ultron interface. So it's the combination of the two that makes Ultron. Is that right? I think that's correct, because I think what we have to sort of infer is that Baron Stroker has been working on this. So it's a combination of what Stark and Banner have been working on, what Stroker was working on, the Mind Stone. Like, all of these elements came together at the right time, or the wrong time, depending on how you look at it. I I think they they skipped over a lot of that too quickly, though, because I, I really didn't understand what they were saying was happening either. And I think, see, for me, I'm a guy that can turn my brain off and go with it and i'll you know maybe i'll think about this stuff maybe i won't maybe i'll care about it maybe i won't but a lot of it is okay this thing happened let's go for a ride well i kept forgetting that ultron was supposed to be this super smart ai that kind of acted like tony stark sometimes and and had his schmarm and Mm -hmm. some of his assiness and i kept thinking god why is this robot making so many stupid jokes robots don't make jokes Oh, wait, he's an AI, and he's part right. Tony. It, it just got a little tough to keep up with. Well, and that actually made me really happy about it, though, because I was expecting just James Spader making boring mechanical threats the whole movie. I liked that he had that personality and that it was sort of derivative of Stark because he basically imprinted on Tony Stark when he was born because that was the first thing that Jarvis brought up. So I liked that it was that stark imprint that like it kind of made sense he picked up on that that's you know it's easy to hate tony stark and and i that was one of the themes of the movie but you wh- how did you guys feel about ultron cuz me i'm not coming into it really knowing a whole heck of a lot about ultron i know you guys have have uh, or you Ryan and Jay you guys know him from the comics certainly better than i do what were your impressions of that i, I think I they like him personally I, th- yeah. I thought it uh, it was a lot better, like you said earlier. Um, it was much better than him reading really plain and uh, boring robot type uh, lines. Uh, the fact that he had a personality and was kind of going back and forth between you know happy and then all of a sudden getting really angry. Uh, I, I liked it. I thought it was uh, a nice use of the uh, voice actor. I think they could have made it a little more clear. Like in the Ultron stories, like he's real confused, especially in the early ones, and he views his creator as his father, and he's essentially a child. 
and that's a lot what informs his character early on is he makes the childish leap that if I need peace, then I kill the humans. And it's just this, you know, very simplistic thinking. And that's kind of what fuels Ultron. Um, I thought it was weird when he thought Scarlet Witch and uh, Quicksilver were like his kids. It was like a weird dad relationship in the end. Even though he was going to kill him, he was upset that Wanda was going to pull his heart out. And Yeah, he I mean, was like they, trying to be the cool dad at that point. Like, come on, guys, let's hang <laughs> out. Let's do stuff. Yeah. Well, and I think that played into that weird naivety, though, that you were talking about in that he was manipulating them, but he kind of didn't know how. And again, I think there's a lot of inference here that, you know, he learned a lot of what he knows from the media that he absorbed. Uh, I wonder how different, and I certainly hope it gets released. You know, Joss Whedon had a three-hour cut of this movie. and. I could very easily have sat and watched it for three hours. And I, th- I wonder how many story holes get potentially get filled in by that. Because if you think about it, if you miss two minutes of this movie, because that's about what I miss, uh, not more than three minutes when I, when I took my break, and I missed an important conversation uh, at the Avengers Tower, I missed... The whole story about Pietro and Wanda, I mean, those are two massive plot points in just a couple of minutes. So think about 40 more minutes of this movie, how much more story that really is. Because this is a dense movie. There's not, there are very few unimportant moments in this two hour and 20 minute movie. I know Loki is in the full version. Really? Really? Yeah, he's in Thor's vision. Loki's there too, and Loki talks to him. Huh. But they said it was just too much, so they cut it out. Which is surprising because he's one of the most popular characters of the MCU. Yeah, I thought people loved him. But if, see, here's the problem with that. When you put everybody's favorite villain in the movie, you overshadow the new villain potentially. Yeah. And he has also been be... in, like, so many movies. <laughs> right, right. But like, it, it, take a break for a movie or two and bring him back later. And, yeah. and that's the thing, is when you've got something like Ultron that is an unknown quantity, is an interesting new thing, but then you throw Loki in, and then people are like, oh, are they going to team up? Is something going to happen down the road? Oh, it's Loki. I want to see Loki. Like, you take the focus off of Ultron. That's the yeah. real threat. I'd also like to see the scene where Ultron, I guess, called the Scarlet Witch on the phone and said, hey, I too want to kill the Avengers. Come over to this church. Yeah. Just kind of like gloss over that. She's like, hey, all right, uh, you're the one that gave me a call. It's like, wait, what? Yeah, they just show up there. How did he find them? How how did they arrange that meeting? It was just kind of random. Like, oh, yeah, he's in the church. Who's he? He knew about them because – Right, exactly. He had all his Strucker's files. Uh, but as far as them knowing about him, uh, yeah, once again, there's a leap that you have to make there that they somehow found out about him and were summoned. And, and that is definitely like a missing type scene. I just hope w- if they do release all this, they actually make an extended cut instead of just releasing the movie with with deleted scenes. I, I, I like having... You know the option to integrate those things back in. I hate it when they. Yeah, just, but they don't. Know, they don't do that very often. I know, unless you're Peter Jackson. Pretty much. But uh, so anyway, 
That's some uh, that's some Ultron stuff. Let's talk about some awesome for a minute, so we don't dwell on the inconsistencies too much. Uh, I want to talk about Veronica. I did not catch the first time that I saw it. Uh, well, I heard it the conversation where Banner and Stark talk about Veronica, but I didn't know what the hell they were talking about. So, because I didn't know the Hulkbuster was called Veronica. So when. Stark says, don't make me pull out Veronica, and then Banner says, I helped you design Veronica. The first time, I didn't get it. The second time, I was like, holy shit! Yeah, I, I missed that the first time through. But, I didn't get I, I, yeah, I heard I him no call, uh, refer to it when he called her, but I didn't uh, catch it earlier, earlier in the movie. It, it was when uh, they were talking about uh, doing Ultron. And they had that conversation, and it added a whole new dimension to the fight between the Hulk and the Hulkbuster armor because watching that fight, the arm gets torn off, and he says, I need a hand. It brings him another hand. Hulk punches him, and that thing goes down around Hulk's arm to restrain him. He's got the spray that he sprays in Hulk's face to try and subdue him. And all of these things, watching this battle, I realized, holy shit, Tony Stark and Bruce Banner sat down at a table and came up. Banner said, look, Hulk's going to tear off one of those arms. You need to have replacement limbs ready. And said, if you could restrain my... I mean, he's talk, He's telling Tony Stark ways to defeat himself. I mean, it, it blew that whole thing open in a whole new way that I didn't even catch the first time. Now, what I did catch about that, more things on my list... Um, Earlier in the movie, I think it's in when they're the first fight. They show, they say something about Veronica being overhead, and they show the satellite above them. Yeah, and they talk about that Jarvis is the one that controls Veronica. Mm-hmm. That's part of his deal. But when they go to the fight in uh, South Africa, and it's, it's in South Africa, isn't outside of Wakanda. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. or Wakanada is. Wakanda, as that was funny. Said the first time. <laughs> so Jarvis at that point is erased. Like, Tony Stark should have had no way to call Veronica. But you know he's got a backup. Because yeah. it showed when he put in the Friday program, it showed he was pulling that from a stack of programs. Yeah. So did he see, had a backup running. Did you see what else was in that stack? No, I didn't. Jocasta. Oh, really? Yep. Nice. Yeah, I missed wow. that. Wow. Interesting. Well, so she was one up, of the programs. Here's another thing I didn't catch the first time through because I missed the part where they, they said his name. I I knew he looked a certain way for a certain reason, but I totally overlooked the fact that that guy was Ahab. Even when Ultron cut his arm off, I was like, oh, who's missing an arm? Who could that be? No, that's Claw. Yeah, it's Claw. Oh, that's Claw? That's Claw. Because they referred to him as an Ahab. And I was like, well, that's an X-Men guy, but whatever. Yeah, that's Claw. He'll be oh, back for okay, Black Panther. Oh, okay, okay. Because she, um, st- when they first mention him as a weapons dealer, uh, Stark says, oh, guy's got an Ahab complex. And then when they show him, he looks just like Ahab. Yeah. Yeah, he kind of did look like Ahab. He totally he? looks like him. But, uh, but okay, okay, so that's Claw. Yeah, so he's got vibranium. He's already been stealing from right, Black Panther. Right, right. So that's he's a good lose his arm. He's going to have his uh, little Sonic thing. Yeah. And I'm, which, I'm assuming he's going to be the bad guy for the Black Panther movie. Which seems like an odd thing to decide to equip yourself with in this in this wild universe of technology. <laughs> you know, why not? No one else has got it. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's a new thing. But uh, during the Hulkbuster fight, 
they definitely made a point of Tony trying to protect life. Uh, and the whole last half of the movie, the overriding theme was we have to save lives. Do you guys think that that would have been as important a part of the movie if not for Man of Steel? Absolutely not. That was a direct jab, I think. Yeah. I agree yeah. because that was the biggest complaint about Man of Steel about how it was just uh, destruction all the way and they he, they didn't even try to get it like especially the the scenes in Smallville where there was uh, you know half a mile from a cornfield but yet they stay and fight and do all the destruction in downtown uh, Smallville. Um, there's so I, there's I, I twelve think, people in this town. Let's kill them all. Exactly. <laughs> Go somewhere else. Exactly. And the Sears store. God. Yeah, there's literally 15 people in town, and so we're going to fight right in the center of town as opposed to going to the, you know, a thousand feet other way and be in the middle of nowhere. So, yeah, I, I think it was definitely a uh, reaction to that um, with DC's whole uh, uh, no jokes and wa- I want to be grim and gritty kind of thing. Now, as far as the, the battle itself... You know, it was heavily featured. It was one of the first things that was shown was the Veronica suit. Do you guys feel like it lived up to its potential, the fight between Hulk and and, and Iron Man in the Hulkbuster suit? Absolutely. Yeah, I thought the fight itself was choreographed really great. You know, they had different stuff going on. The ending was a little – I was a little unsure of, but I don't know how else you end it. I mean, usually you can't punch the Hulk unconscious. Well – but I don't know how else you do it. Here's how I feel about that: is uh, you're right. How do you beat the Hulk? How do you knock the Hulk out? You know how you do it? You do it with a callback to the last movie. Because as soon as that fist comes out, you remember, oh, that's what Hulk did to Thor. Oh, I didn't even connect that. And oh, you're that's a good see. That's how it worked for me. Is like, yeah, I, I you know what. It. I thought it was really funny that they did that. Right. That is funny enough that you'll buy it, which is a trick Joss Whedon uses a lot, is cover cover the the uh, the leap up with humor. Mm-hmm. What about you, Beth? How did you feel about the whole fight? That was really one of the things I was most looking forward to the minute I started seeing pictures. Like, Noel gave me a hard time the other night because I didn't realize that Vision was even a part of this because I wasn't reading stuff beforehand. Oh, wow. But I know. That's but what we're going to talk I, about I next. To... Finish finish your thoughts on the fight. As soon as you're done, talk about <laughs> Vision then. I, I was trying to go into it kind of in the dark. I wasn't reading a lot about it, but I did look at pictures. And as soon as I saw the Hulkbuster armor, I got super, super excited. And I felt like the fight was really good. It was very satisfying. You know, and how do you beat the Hulk? You know, it wasn't the best ending to a fight ever, but I thought with how they'd set everything up, I thought it went absolutely as well as it could have. And I was so happy to see it. I was just super, super excited. I nerded out a lot on that scene. Well, and it was shot so nicely because you could tell what was going on at all times. And Not like a Transformers movie? Right, exactly. Uh, I mean, it really was. The action was very clear. You never had any trouble understanding where they were in the city, what was going on with the people around them. I mean, it was all... It, it it was in a movie full of incredible action sequences and set pieces. It stood out, and that's saying something. All right, tell us about the vision experience for you because that was one of my thoughts. Going like, 
went once that stuff started happening, I thought, man, it would have been so awesome if I'd had no idea that he was in it. So how did how did that work for you? Um, I don't remember that much about the vision from the books. I, I remember I, I knew who he was and I read him or read books he was in, but I didn't know that much about him. I just knew that he was awesome and had all kinds of crazy powers and was sort of an AI and had a romance with Scarlet Witch later on. Um, but I really didn't know he was going to be in this. I didn't know he was going to have anything to do with this. And I'm a big fan of Paul Bettany. Sure. So when it turned out to be him, I was even more excited. But it totally took me by surprise. Like, when they were talking about creating another thing to take Ultron down, I never even put it together that that's what they were doing. I had no idea. So the whole vision thing took me completely by surprise. And and I was just sitting there kind of clapping quietly to myself. Like, oh, my God, they totally did that. Oh, my God, I can't believe they did that. I'm so I'd envious f- of you right now. <laughs> so, and one, once you saw him and once you did have that moment of, holy shit, that's Vision, was was it, like, the his look and his, his movements and the way he talked and everything, was it like, oh, yeah, that's great? It was exactly how I would have pictured it from what I remember having read. And it had been a long time, admittedly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm still a little fuzzy on, from the books what exactly happened to create him or how he came about. I'd have to go back and do some rereading, which I had not chance to do yet. It's a, it's a little fuzzy in the comics, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, good. They rewrote it a couple times. So. It involves, Probably not my fault, yeah. then. Brain yeah. waves and all sorts I, of things. I remember Shit. he changed a couple times. He was, you know, he was nailed. He, yeah, he was re- uh, the original Human Torch, and then he wasn't, and then there was all kinds of crazy stuff. Okay, so it's not my fault. What about you guys? What, what how'd you feel about Vision? I, I like I like this. I think like once he was the Vision, and once you got to what he looks like and how he talked and the things he said, I thought it was really good. It was perfect. It was again one of those things that I couldn't tell you how he came to life. I have no idea. He was like 80% downloaded of Ultron, and then we put some Jarvis in there. Then the mind gem took over. Not exactly sure what happened there. And you got Thor's lightning. Oh, yeah. Like at 98%. Well, I, here's here's the deal with the Ultron thing. The way I look at it is Ultron, Ultron downloading himself into the vibranium body was like a PlayStation download, where if it gets interrupted, you have to fucking start all over again. <laughs> <laughs> and do the whole damn thing. It doesn't, it doesn't keep its place. So Ultron may have been 75% downloaded, but then when Black Widow came and kicked him out of the trailer or whatever, start back fucking, to 0%. Yeah, started all over again. So that's, that's how I looked at that. Well, I, and d- down the line, I'm kind of wondering too, when we get to Infinity War, at some point he's getting all six gems. So does that mean he's going to rip it from his head? Like goes to pieces? Yeah, like I thought can't about that. Operate without the gem on him? Or is it well, like Adam Warlock? We were talking about uh, we were talking about at the end of the movie, like what happens if I mean if somebody blows up or grabs hold of an Infinity Stone, doesn't that destroy everything? So basically, the Vision can't die; otherwise, everything around him blows up and everybody well, dies. Here's here's what I came up with for that because I had the same thought. I was like, that thing's in his head. What do we do? And then I had a totally separate thought after the movie was over. I thought, 
okay, we've seen a lot of crazy shit from the bad guys in these movies. When Thanos first shows up, he's going to have to murder one of these guys. And I just now put it together, Thanos shows up and kills Vision. Now, granted, mm-hmm. Vision's not going to stay dead. Tony will figure out a way to make a synthetic gem or something. But that's how Thanos is going to show up. And, make, and maybe not. But that's my theory, is those two things come together. Because that gem's going to have to come out of his head, and Thanos is going to have to make some kind of massive impact when he first shows up. He's not going to kill one of the main characters. Uh, un- unless it's Steve. Maybe it's Steve. But that would be a way to handle both of those problems. Yeah, or or maybe they do Marvel Zombies next because it wasn't Vision and Marvel Zombies. Goes <laughs> <laughs> Machine saying. Man. Yeah. <laughs> well, they could like I mean in the comics at one point all the Ultron programming his soul kind of gets sucked out of the Vision and they replace it with Wonder Man's brainwaves. Let's not bring Wonder Man into this. <laughs> well, they could put somebody else's brain. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Simon's going to show up at some point. They're going to run out of characters uh, in a either. sweet jacket. How do you? Okay. How do you wait? Did we sweet cover mullet too? Okay. Yeah, yeah, bright red eyes. Uh, we didn't shades uh, and mullet. We didn't totally cover Vision. I, I want to say I loved the fact that he imprinted on Thor and grew the made the cape. Yeah, that, I like that a lot. <laughs> I thought that was really cool because he has to have a cape. But what's the logical explanation in the MCU for this guy having a cape? Oh, it's because he looks at Thor, recognizes Thor's awesomeness, and is like, I'm going to have one of those things, too. <laughs> like, that was such a cool moment. I, I can hold a hammer. I want a cape. Man. Yeah. I, I, I like the whole argument and debate with the uh, the hammer, too. Like, obviously, it was a really cool moment early in the movie where uh, uh, Captain America grabbed the hammer, and it sort of moved. Yeah, yeah. Kind of freak out. Uh, but later on, I, I, I did think it was really funny, like, the whole argument that – well, you could put the hammer down in an elevator. The elevator can lift it up two floors. So that doesn't mean the elevator's worthy. And uh, but yeah, I, I thought it was really cool with the uh, the vision uh, just grabbing the hammer constantly and handing it back to Thor. Well, and that was another total Whedon device of using humor to further the plot. Where why do they trust him? Why in the world would they listen to this guy? Oh, I'll have him pick up Thor's hammer, and it'll be hilarious, and it'll move the plot along. Like it'll it'll eliminate thirty minutes of dialogue just to do that. Yeah. Well, I thought the uh, uh, humor uh, was a huge, uh, a bigger part of this movie than it was of the last movie. I thought there was way more one-liners, way more uh, just kind of jokes throughout the movie. Um, and where but a Joss Whedon film would you hear a Eugene O'Neill joke? That's true. I didn't even get that reference. What is that? <laughs> He's an author, a long-winded author. Oh, really? Okay, okay. But, see, part of the reasons I didn't care for it as much as it was just quip after quip after quip. They're not all Tony Stark. And, like, it just seemed like, like, give it a break. Well, like, there were scenes where they weren't even showing anybody's faces, and you could tell they had overdubbed a line in because somebody thought of it. Like, I mean, I'm all for the humor, and that's part of what makes Marvel so great. But, God, they all had the same voice, and it got annoying after a while. See, I didn't feel like they did have the same voice. I, I felt, felt like, like the first movie was so much quippier. Really? So much worse. I felt like Captain America was kind of awkward and, like, dad joke guy. Uh, I've, Tony was Tony. We, we all know what he's like. I felt like Scarlet Witch was a little more dour. 
uh, I really, I really felt like they all had their own voice. I did not get the Bendis vibe off of this. Oh, at I all. did. I got a huge Bendis vibe. Um, but I do feel, regardless of either one of those things, I feel like the humor was a way of displaying how much of a team they were. Yeah, because... I guess uh, one thing I did really like about it, especially in the first scene. Um, it showed how uh, they had obviously become a well-oiled machine and uh, you know a team that everybody kind of knew their spot, knew their place, and was doing their thing. I thought that was pretty cool because uh, I think in the uh, the last movie, everybody was kind of still figuring it out. Uh, but I thought at the beginning of the movie, I thought it was really cool how uh, they had obviously been on multiple missions and uh, uh, were, were, had the whole teamwork thing down. Well, they had their, their combo moves together. You know, everybody knew, like, okay, you're going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and then together our moves will do this. And It was like watching combo powers from a video game. Yeah, yeah, Marvel versus Capcom. That's. I was actually wondering, with a lot of the Thor and Captain America moves, I was actually wondering, like, are these maybe straight out of that game? <laughs> but I suck at fighting games, so I've never played that. Um, yeah, I, I really dug the, the level of teamwork. I love the fact that Cap was the leader and nobody questioned it and even on the uh subway train when scarlet witch and quicksilver show up to help him fight ultron and cap just turns to quicksilver and says they're innocent people out there like he he gives him an order and because he's fucking captain america quicksilver goes and saves people and then he turns around to scarlet witch and he's like you can do this and she does it like like that totally just reinforces his character and gives him that presence, and also establishes the fact that while they still don't entirely trust Tony, they're on Cap's side. So when we do get the big conflict in the lab later, like there's no question they're with Cap. I, I that scene. Do you guys? Yeah, I, I feel thought, like I thought it was great. Like I thought Cap definitely was uh, one of the best characters in the whole movie. Uh, him, and, and, and Hawkeye too. I'm sure we'll get to that in a second. But yeah, 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 we'll definitely get into Hawkeye a good bit because I know, I know Beth has some differing opinions about some of the Hawkeye. Stuff. Oh, I have thoughts. Um, yeah, I, I could tell from the yuck. But <laughs> but uh, but no, I mean that scene in the lab that is essentially the seed of civil war was phenomenal. It was so heavy and so tense, and like just watching it. It was uncomfortable because we've grown to love these people. We like seeing these people work together. But Tony and Steve were on opposite fucking sides at that point. Like, and there was a line. And it yeah, was, he was. It was. It, it was. It was beyond the sort of needling that had gone on earlier. And I mean, they fought. It was fucking crazy. Yeah, he straight up said, Sh- uh, "Shut, shut it the fuck down right now." Right. And, uh, and he was like, "No." And it was a uh, language. Uh, Sorry. Go <laughs> <Hey, laughs> back. Go back. Um, uh, but yeah, like it, it was obviously set, setting the stage for uh, civil war because they were completely at odds, and uh, obviously they have different thoughts on how things should be done. And um, I, I thought they uh, played that up really well. And, I, and what I sorry, go ahead. No, I no, thought go they ahead. let it go a little too much, though. Like I just felt like we had this huge scene where they're you know, kicking the shit out of each other because for the second time Tony's crossed this line. And then I know they're setting up civil war, but then it seems like that was kind of dropped. Well, but think about how fights 
with your friends or loved ones go. You have these fights, you disagree over something, and if something else comes up to divert your attention, you're glad to have your attention diverted. Mm-hmm. And you drop it, and you move on. I like. I thought that felt very organic and real, like this horrible incident happened, and then they had to get their shit together and do other stuff, and at the end of the movie, yeah, they shook hands and said goodbye and whatever else, that was still there, but they didn't want to talk about it because it was ugly. And I felt like that really reflected the reality of relationships, which, again, is a Whedon thing. But I I, I thought it worked perfectly because now we as the audience have that fight in our heads. And we know that's going to come back. But they were willing, you know what, let's not talk about that ugly thing again. We got through this horrible crisis. Let's leave that for another time, maybe. Yeah, I kind of wish we had gotten a line about it at the very end. Like, they don't have to be fighting at the end, but maybe, like, Tony's... Well, you don't bring it up because that starts it again. You <sighs> don't true. mention you don't mention that ugly shit again. I total No, I'm totally on board with how they did it. That's, that's what I liked about it because I know how the sides line up in the Civil War comic storyline, but they could go totally different direction in the movies... And I don't know how that's going to go because the way they left it at the end. Right. And that that's kind of cool. I like that. And I, I think they did a phenomenal job of making and, – and, you know, one, you can pick your sides because people will love Tony Stark's charisma no matter what. But to me, from my perspective, I was always on Cap's – in the comic story, I'm on Cap's side. I'm, I'm always going to take the side of Liberty. Uh, man, that sounded hokey, <laughs> but that's how I feel. I was on Cap's side, and in the comics, you could kind of decide who you agreed with, and in this, to me, from my perspective of personal freedom and liberty, I saw Tony as, as very villainous and very potentially evil. It was, it, did, did you, how did you guys view it? Did you guys maybe agree with Tony a little bit more? Did you, how, how did you feel about it? I think they're going to work real hard to – if you go back and read Civil War, Tony is written real villainous. Like nobody was on Tony's side when that book came out. Well, but if, no, if you I, look at it like realistically though and how the world really works, people should have been on Tony's side. Well, here's yeah. the thing. I Tony's feel like right. I feel like Tony uh, – it, it was a much better way of telling an Anakin Walker uh, – Anakin Walker – Anakin Skywalker style story. I feel like at the beginning of, Tony, of Civil War, I felt like I could understand Tony's intentions even if I didn't agree with him. I didn't feel like he was a villain. And as it went on and as things went... Actually, you know what? Anakin Skywalker's not the right uh, comparison. Uh, Jason Solo is a better comparison, uh, which less people are going to understand. <laughs> but go read Expanded Universe. Uh, but but anyway, I, I felt like he he had kind of had a decline, and I feel like they've set up the, the very intelligently set up the same kind of thing here. Yeah, and I think having this long narrative with Tony going all the way back to the first Avengers, that he's seen something that freaks him out so much that it's going to push him to that point, has been handled much better in the movies than it was in the comic. Uh, yeah, yeah. He kind of yeah. flipped really fast just because of Samford being blown up. Yeah, and so they. I, 
I think it makes a lot more sense. It, you know, like you said, you got the really traumatic uh, issues that were kind of played out in Iron Man three. Yeah. Um, with all the stuff, so you, I think he's much more of a likable character and more understandable uh, in the movies versus the comics. Because, like you said, the comics just seemed like a, a like a, a switch where everybody was like, "Why are you being such a dick? Why are you, you know, why are you uh, being this hardcore about stuff?" So. I think it's uh, better in the movies than the than the comics. Yeah, well, they... Cap, Cap's on the side of liberty, so Cap's always going to have people siding with him. But Tony Stark is so much more sympathetic in the movies than he is in the comics that it's it's a lot. It's going to be a lot easier to see why people want to support him and team up with him, and they're doing a lot better job building up his his character as sympathetic and his side as sympathetic because he really is trying to do a good thing he's just going about it in a really bad way yeah and they've they've the portrayal of his post battle of new york stress is just amazing i mean it because it keeps coming you know, iron man 3 did a great job of it but we see it continue here he is terrified of this thing that is he perceives as being beyond his control he's lived a life of bettering himself in order to control things and now there's this this extraterrestrial threat that he doesn't understand that he can't control like they they really have told this story amazingly well and as an audience we know he's right Thanos is coming like he's right, right. shit is going about to go down that they're not ready for and so they don't they don't have the benefit of seeing that that all these steps he's taken he's completely right what's about to happen so let's let's talk let's talk about the characterizations. Uh, we'll start with Hawkeye because I think that's the one that we may be a little divergent on. I personally, I've liked Hawkeye's story, what little we've gotten of it up until Age of Ultron. Uh, but I'm also predisposed to liking Jeremy Renner. I, I just like that guy as an actor. But in Age of Ultron, we got a much more thorough characterization of him. We got a better idea of his place on the team and why he's important to the team. And we also got a good way to have a little more empathy and interest in his character. That's how I feel about it anyway. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm with you. I, I again I, I like him a lot. Uh, there was that TV show he did, uh, The Unusuals, maybe that I thought he was really good in. Um, so I, I, I liked him in the first movie. So I really liked the fact that uh, he was spotlighted in this movie. Oh. Um, the it, the second I saw that uh, he had a wife and kids, I instantly thought, okay, he's dead at the end of the movie. And that was the intent. Me too. Right. Yeah, just Josh, Josh Whedon, like, okay, yeah, you got a family, you're likable now, you're totally dead at the end of the movie. Uh, uh, when, I, Leon, uh, when Leonardo took the Ninja Turtles to the farmhouse. A, <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I thought of, too. <laughs> you know, it was a good, like, breakdown. But if you read the Ultimate Comics, you know how that ends, and it's not good. Like, the minute they showed Laura and stuff, I was like, oh, shit. And I'm glad they didn't go there. Yeah. 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 Is uh, she part of the... I'm more of a fan of Hawkeye from, like, the West Coast Avengers. 
um, you know, in the older uh, older comics. So I've always been a fan of him because I always thought he was kind of like the not the anti Cap, but like you know he 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 was a big fan of Cap. He liked him and respected him, but he was always kind of the asshole and wanted to do his own thing. Um, but uh, in, in was the, the wife and kids from the Ultimate Universe? Yeah, in the Ultimate yeah. Universe, he's essentially like the deadliest man on the planet. Uh, he kills people with the fingernails. I mean, come on. But, uh, yeah, he's got the family in the Ultimate Universe, and horrible, horrible things happen to his family. And, yeah, like Ryan, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, oh, no. Yeah. They're going to die, or he's going to die. Somebody's going to die. Because the precedent has been set, and because Joss Whedon yeah. loves killing people. But I'm a little disappointed that he's not going to be married to Bobby Morse. You know, Mocking I am too. Or, I, 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 mean, I, I was, was really hoping. But he's married to Linda Cardellini, and I'm totally cool with that. Anytime she shows up, I'm delighted. Yeah. But I thought that whole scene with this family was great. And the, I loved it. You know, I one of the things I think that really, like, reinforce that oh my god he's gonna die is i thought it was like that one more like retired cop just one more day i'm gonna go <laughs> well this is gonna be great i'm and, gonna come back and fix the sunroom and the and, sunroom will never be fixed well and that's yeah he said this is that's gonna be my last project and i was like no it is gonna be his last project but not <laughs> and, like he means yeah don't say that because you're never gonna come back right and then on the when he's on the boat getting ready to leave and he sees the kid and he gets that look on his face that beat right there, you're like, oh, that's the Whedon acknowledgement. He's I've seen say. that look before when characters right. walk off to their doom. Uh, and, and, and that was it. It was Whedon playing with us. He knew exactly. He led us down a path. Uh, he created drama. But some of us did not care for that path. Beth? Okay, I, I will start out by saying I am predisposed to dislike Jeremy Renner. Oh, no. I don't, I don't know why. He's never done anything to me personally. <laughs> I heard he doesn't like you. <laughs> That's probably why. He might be the guy. That, he might be the guy that pooped in your car. <laughs> Damn it! Wait, I what really now? don't like him. <laughs> who shot who in the what now? <laughs> I don't know what it is about him. I just don't like him. Okay, it's it's not anything he's been in. And it's not that I dislike Hawkeye, it's it's that he's just a guy and he's just there and and really I don't care because he's just a guy hanging out with superheroes and, and I get that they're trying to humanize it by having human people in it who don't have superpowers and they're just good at doing stuff. But his personal story could have been told through that little intimate conversation he has with Wanda. They could have just made that like a minute longer and, and put in like here's why I'm doing it and because my family and my wife and these kids and she's pregnant and blah 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 and now you should join us and then we could have just cut out the whole family farm scene stuff but there was so much to that scene there was so much more to that scene than just that we had the reinforcement like I feel like Linda Cardellini created a lot of that story in the way that she talked to him, in the way when she looked out the window and she said, you know, you hang out with these gods. And, uh, you know, he says, it's, it's, they need me. And she's like, that's what I'm afraid of. And he's their human center. He's what reminds them of the rest of humanity and how much they're needed 
and they need to keep their shit together. Like just and all of the moments between the guys on you know there was stuff that happened on that farm. We got a lot of the exposition for the okay, movie, but there. But if he's if he's always that guy, then why didn't we know about it till today? Because we're too dumb to have noticed it. Joss Whedon yeah. was like, "I understand that these people don't notice these things. Let's explain it." No, but, I don't. No, I, I mean, I mean, no, yeah. I see what also, you're saying. Like a I see what you're spy, saying. Like he's got to keep all this stuff secret. Like obviously, no one else on the team even knew he was married, let alone had kids. I think there was a comment earlier in the movie about him having a girlfriend, yeah. and he, you know, blew it off. That was another thing that I didn't catch. Is there were there were two cues to him having a family, but that also could have been interpreted as him being a traitor. They played with that a lot too. What, but his role in the last movie, he spent most of it under the control of Loki, and they had some nods to that in this one because one, when he's the only one that can fend off Scarlet Witch, which I thought was such a great moment. Yeah, he, I thought he had some of the, the the best lines of the whole movie. That yes. that one with uh, Scarlet Witch, where you know he uh, said, you know, been there, done that, and then later on uh, when he was talking to Scarlet Witch about. You know, hey, I, you know, I'm dealing with gods and superpowers, and I'm just a dude with a bow and arrow. None of this makes well, sense. See, but yeah. that's why I was like, oh, thank God, you finally, you, you at least know that you are just a dude with arrows. Yeah. Right. And I thought it was great. That, that those were like two of my favorite lines in the whole movie. But I think what Beth was saying, and I agree with this, we've never seen him. All right, Grant, if she's saying, yeah, you know, I'm worried that they need you, but we've never seen them need him. I mean, exactly. as far as he's, like, I mean, we've seen him, you know, be the lookout and like on a he, he does stuff, he helps. yeah. But we've never seen him like talk him down or. Well, but that's not what them. it's about. He's essentially their Coulson. He's kind of like the heart of the group. He grounds them. It's not that he. It's not that they need his skills. Right. It's that they need his. But humanity. I don't get that. That's what I'm saying. But when when has he done that? When have right. they? When's an example of they've shown him? ground them well it's until they so, show up at a farmhouse but it's no 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 it's it's not a show thing it's just his presence but like, i don't feel it, that it's it's not a well then maybe you just don't feel it you've got to, you've, <laughs> got, you've got to feel the feeling beth that's true i i do have problems with the feels <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, that's interesting. I, it's it's. I'm glad we had a good discussion point there, and I think it's one of those things that we're going to have to kind of uh, agree to maybe not have the same point of view on. Uh, but but regardless, he was a central part of the movie. I I am, you know, he got more characterization, and I think even if maybe you weren't crazy about his parts you do feel like, okay, he's a bigger part of the team than he was before. Yeah. Well, I will agree with that. And part of, I guess, where they did show that. All right, I'm going to back up for a minute. (laughs) They did have it when he's with Wanda and he's telling her to come out. Look, I'm just a guy with a bow going against a bunch of crazy robots, and I'm going to go out there and do this. You can come with me or not. And that inspired her to go. Right. So, okay, it did happen there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so, let's talk about the new kids. Uh, well, real quick, because I don't think it'll take as long, because we already kind of know them. How awesome was it to see Rhodey and Sam in the movie? And oh, I was so glad to throw him. How interesting was it that he wasn't Iron Patriot anymore? He was War Machine again. Mm-hmm. I saw that too. I guess the Iron Patriot 
name has been tarnished now after our Iron right. Man 3. Yeah. So, so they can't go back to it. But is he working – and I was a little confused at this. Is he working for Fury now or what? I he was, th- okay, here's how I took that stuff. The core Avengers are – you know, the main people. Everybody knows they are. And it seems like they kind of started the movie with Falcon is part of the Avengers team, but he's off looking for Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Rhodey is part of the Avengers team, but he's off doing peacekeeping stuff. Like, I I feel like they're part of the team, but they're those kind of secondary guys that are off doing other things. Which is very much like how the comics work. Like, everybody doesn't do everything together all the time. People have solo stuff that they go off and do. And I thought that was kind of a cool feel to it. Just like Maria Hill is working with Tony, but obviously has been doing stuff for Fury in the background. Like, they, they everybody kind of has their own lives outside mm-hmm. of getting together to fight evil. And it's unfortunate that we... we uh, right, right. It's unfortunate that we don't necessarily get to see um, more of Sam and Rhodey's, you know, adventures. I, I, I at this point, well, well, we'll get to this at the end. This was one of my wrap up things for the end. So, but yeah, it's any more thoughts about those two, War Machine and Falcon? Yeah, I thought they were handled great. Good characters. I really like the ongoing. Rhodey tries to tell stories that the Avengers aren't impressed with, but regular people are. Yes. And then he goes to find normal people who are super impressed. <laughs> yep. That was a good good moment. That whole party scene was phenomenal because we got to see it was this crazy mix of them being totally normal people and also being the, these gods. Because hey, you know what was humanizing? The party scene was humanizing. Yes. <laughs> It totally was, and the fact that he uh, Thor shared his whatever crazy liquor of the river of the troll people or whatever it was that he had, and, and knocked Stanley out. That was a, that was a nice little scene. I enjoyed that. Um, so Sam and Rhodey, very cool. Like to see them in it. Uh, we need figures now. Let's make this happen. Well, we've got a War Machine figure. Yeah, we, we need a Falcon. A, we've got a War Machine. Uh, there's enough uh, movie uh, figures out there that we, we definitely need a Falcon figure. And we need Vision. Yeah, Vision's next, definitely. Uh, I, I think, which I didn't mention this when we were talking about Vision. I think Vision is the coolest realization of a superhero on screen that I've seen yet. Yeah. Well, and so can he phase through stuff or not? It looked yes. like at that yeah. one point yeah. he phased yeah, absolutely. that like one he, robot. He did, he did yeah. that a few, uh, at least two times uh, during the fight where he was phasing through people. Yeah, he put he did an uppercut through one of the Ultron's okay. chests and like kind of blew it apart. And then when he was flying later, uh, when Rhodey was out trying to stop the Ultrons, Vision flew up behind one and stuck both of his arms through yeah. its chest and pulled them apart. I saw that one. When, <laughs> when, and and Rhodey was like, what the... <laughs> <laughs> like that was that was a nice moment too. He, um, he kind of looked exactly like like I thought he should look. Like I expected him to look like that. He looked exactly like that. Yes, yes. They, I mean, they pulled him off of the page as effectively as I've ever seen. You know, honestly, a ridiculous superhero with crazy powers. They did it as faithfully, but also as functionally as they could have. Like the cape. Uh, you know, the way they explained the cape was great. The look of the cape 
it was it was basically transparent like you could see through it it was so light it moved in a different way from thor's cape it looked like a different thing it it looked like a generated fabric and not necessarily in a cgi way just in an, a, a weird different way yeah and i also like the fact that uh, uh they kept the same actress jarvis how awesome is that that yes He's, the guy started out as just the voice of Jarvis for however many movies now, you know, three or four, I guess four or five at this point, uh, movies, and, uh, and he actually became the char- like a on-screen character. I thought that was really cool. Well, it's just fortunate that they happened to cast a physically perfect human being uh, as the voice of Jarvis, <laughs> and not like Ricky Gervais. Foresight's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right, so that's uh, what else. What else can we talk about? Any other plot points, Ryan? I know you had a list. Jay and oh, yeah. Beth, do you have any specific things that we haven't hit on yet? I um, my only question about the Scarlet Witch was I really don't remember her having that kind of control over her powers. She does, and I didn't. She what? She doesn't. I didn't think so. I thought what? it was more like a. It's kind of kind a of random a deal field? in the comics. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing, though, and I, actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I we do need to discuss Pietro and Wandra. Wandra? I keep saying Wandra <laughs> oh, because Wanda. Pietro is uh, Wanda. Uh, we do need to talk about them specifically. Here's, you know, going into anything like this, I, I love this. I want to love this. So I'll rationalize things. Uh, we're getting Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch in a very, very different way than the comics ever presented them. And they've been with Stroker for years. We saw them practicing their powers at the end of, uh, was it Winter Soldier? Was that where they first popped up? Yeah, end of Winter yeah. uh, Soldier, we, the very uh, the, uh, after-credits scene. But even there, that seemed like they were in like kind of a cell. Yeah, but, uh, that, that was... That, I, I wonder if the narrative changed a little bit. Well, but it goes along with what's going on with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., where Dr. Well, yeah, you're right. is keeping the powered people in little cages and doing experiments on them. Um, but they they are different characters. As much as at their core, they're still the same. She's a little nutty. Uh, he's a smarmy ass. But they're both... I think more focused and trained than they were when they first showed up in the comics. They've been working on their powers for years. They've been augmented by whatever it was Struker was doing to them. You know, th- this is a little different. So her her control is better. She's she's more learned and efficient. Yeah. Well, and they showed her lacking confidence in a lot of scenes, which is a big thing with Wanda. Is yes, that she doesn't. And then what I did like they showed is when. Quicksilver got killed. She fully powered up and disintegrated robots. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Saw her lose control. And let me just say, I'm super not fucking happy about Quicksilver. About the better Quicksilver Uh dying. I'm pissed. I really thought the uh, X Men Quicksilver had like the better scene as far as like showing the powers because of the the slow mo music. but I thought the character was much better in the Avengers. Uh, had, had, uh, on a whole, I, I prefer the uh, Quicksilver in the Avengers. Now, full that, disclosure, I hated Days of Future Past. Well, the Quicksilver in Days of Future Past, well, one, his character is not Quicksilver at all. I mean, right. a little bit. But two, 
he was way overpowered. They had to get him out of that yeah. movie quick because otherwise the movie ends because he just stops right. time and right. <laughs> does everything. So at least with this Quicksilver, we got to see he gets tired. Like he, it yes. exerts a lot of stuff on him yes. to run this fast and do all this stuff. Now I agree, killing him is one of the most bullshit moves this movie pulled. Now there was no reason for that to happen. But this occurred to me in the second viewing. They described his powers as whatever word they said to describe increased metabolism. When they described his powers, it's conceivable he's not dead. And it would be another cheap Coulson bait and switch, but I'd take it to keep him because I liked him so much in this movie. I'd be surprised what Ween's reaction to that would be because he's pissed that Coulson's alive. Well, he's not pissed. Um, He's... It's not what he would have done. Right, exactly. I don't think he's pissed because I mean he you know, he, he ran the show, so obviously yeah. he's not that upset about it. I think that was another clickbait headline. Yeah, but, and uh, I don't know they would go that, that way two times in a row where like the big dramatic yeah. death in both movies that uh, right after undone. they uh, they get undone. So I, I think he's he's dead. Ugh. Well, it's it's Whedon. He's got to kill somebody. Yeah, right. and that's and that's that was my problem with it. Is that's what it felt like. It didn't feel because it didn't serve any purpose to the plot. Um, you know, at the end of it, even if he's still alive, he and Wanda have nowhere to go. So they they join the Avengers. It didn't. She could have been overwhelmed by Ultron's. Like they, there were ways. There were other ways to accomplish everything that happened after he died than him dying. He still could have saved Hawkeye and that kid and not died, and it would have been a powerful, impactful moment because he was being selfless. He was being a hero. That's his moment. He didn't have to die to prove that, and it did feel like, well, Whedon's got to kill someone. If she's got to have the big romance with Vision, and then Thanos shows up and kills Vision, that's your extra dramatic moment for the next movie. Yeah. I was a little disappointed with Scarlet Witch. That first scene where they show her and she comes to Cap, she moves all like creepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, they never did I, that I was again. Like, Man, this is awesome. I was like, I hope they keep up with this. Yeah. But then, like Japanese horror movie girls? Yes. Yeah. And then yes. again, it's just gone and never brought up again. Yeah, it, like, was, it was a weird because she did that, you know, kind of almost time displacement type thing. And when she backed out of the door and it was a great effect. But she didn't use her powers that way again. Yeah. So it, I mean, as much as it was a little disappointing to not see that, she wasn't doing that thing again. Yeah. Another thing that was weird about her powers is like, which wasn't consistent as far as I can tell. So when she does the mind messing around, Mm -hmm. she shows you your worst fears, right? Well... well, with Cap, or they sh- it shows like a vision, you know. So Tony saw everybody dying. Cap saw the life he could have had. Blah blah blah. Natalie saw her past. Thor, however, got a vision of the future that has to do with creating the vision. Not consistent whatsoever. I th- I think the difference there, and Thor says it, is he's not human. I think her power mm-hmm. affected him differently. Uh huh. Uh, because it did give Tony a, a vision. Now, granted, it was his fear, but it was a vision. Uh, Cap, and, and by the way, 
Cap, and, and he's my favorite. Steve Rogers is my favorite of the Avengers. Uh, the uh, first Captain America is my favorite of the movies. I, I will always have a very soft spot for Steve Rogers, but his vision was unbelievably well done. The fact yeah. that he's the whole point of him, and uh, I can't remember who says it, but somebody says, do you even understand that, you know, what, what do you even do when you're not at war? And he goes to the party, the celebration, but all of the scenes around him are of wars. The guys are in a fight. The one guy spilled wine on himself, but it looks like he's been shot and is bleeding out. Like, even at the party, all he sees is warfare. Like, yeah. that was incredible. And then when Sharon shows up, like, I got a little misty. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. And I liked that they call back at the end where Tony says something about starting a family, and he says, that's over for that me. Like, I can never go back to that. And that's a big thing for Cap. Like, all yes. his dreams of normal is gone. All I've got now is war. Like, that was, yeah, that was powerful. Let's see. Um, so... Trying to think where we're headed next. We covered Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver pretty well. Is there anything else you guys want to touch on? Because we're oh, yeah. we're we're about in an hour, so let's have some final <laughs> okay. thoughts, and then I've got a poll. Let me go. Yeah, I was going to say you had us make a list. Yes. <laughs> Let me well, go into this. The creepiest thing that happens in this movie, and I didn't catch it until the second time, and I knew something was weird, and then it clicked. Okay. Okay. So the Black Widow and Hulk relationship. <laughs> yes. If you follow it. The whole storyline. So Black Widow's whole thing, you know, and they make a big thing about her being sterilized and she can't have children. And, you know, she's a monster, right? Mm -hmm. How does she calm the Hulk down? Specifically, what do they call it? Lullaby. Oh. She treats Hulk like a baby. Hulk is a baby to her that she treats... Oh my gosh! As like a calm down, soothe, upset baby. No, and stop! I don't want to see having thoughts. a relationship. Stop! <laughs> stop! Is that? No, like, that's very oh. weak. Though that's another yeah, I'm not listening right now. Thing. I thought that the whole relationship is really sweet until right now. Yeah, no, it is completely jacked up. You just ruined this movie for everyone. It is creepy as hell. Oh my gosh! Oh, I should go see it again in a couple of days. I don't want to now. <laughs> Banner is both her lover and her baby. Oh, oh my gosh! You're so right. Ew. <laughs> like God, I hate you. What's going on with that? Oh no! All right, moving on. Anybody yeah. else have any thoughts that aren't incestuous? <laughs> I thought on a whole, I, I, I liked it. I thought it was uh, uh, a good movie. It was a little similar to last last uh, movie where, I guess the last movie, they fought a bunch of mindless aliens, and this time they fought a bunch of mindless robots. In a circle. Everybody stand in a circle so we can fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Although I, I time... thought uh, they had a lot of cool moments, and so uh, on a whole, I, I definitely liked it. Uh, to be fair, this time the circle had a purpose. That's true. They were actually protecting something this time instead of just trying to look cool. And by the way, that scene, I can't wait to see the Blu-ray where they show how that scene was filmed. Because that shit was insane. And yeah, just the it, way the camera rotated around and then focused on each character and the way they interacted with each other. And 
I can't imagine how they blocked that and shot it, and it's nuts. At the end of the day, we have, what, seven, eight different superheroes in, in one movie uh, that serviced all the characters fairly well. Um, it's it's uh, definitely a great day to be a superhero fan. Yeah, I'm glad we've got – I like the new team they've set up, the new Avengers – Yes. I think that, that's a good movie team. They got everybody off the board they needed to. So Hulk and Thor are gone because you need them gone for Civil War because they're too powerful. And so they did a good setup for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'd like to see – I mean, I guess that's the team we're going to see in Civil War. Uh, yeah. Three. Um, some of them will change sides, I guess. Yeah, plus whatever they can throw in there, and then by the time the uh, first uh, Infinity War shows up, uh, it'll be all the, uh, I don't want to say scrubs, but the, the B team with the uh, the A team showing back up in the part two. Well, and I, I think what's likely is that we're going to be made to feel like this new team is the A team. Like, yeah. I, I, I think it's going to be very much a Dick Grayson as Batman situation, where at first you're like, oh, well, whatever, and then... You know, very quickly in this case, because it's a movie, we're going to love these guys. Because we already do, I mean, we already have affection for Rhodey and for Sam. We already really like those guys. And obviously Vision, I, I immediately thought he was fantastic. And Scarlet Witch as well. Like, we already like these people. And all it's really going to take is one scene similar to the beginning of Age of Ultron for us to feel like this is the real deal Avengers team now. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I mean I I think they're going to kill Thor and Ragnarok. So you're going to have him off the table at least until Infinity War bring him back somehow. I was really hoping Hulk was going to go into space. For a minute I no. thought he like looked up and I was like come on. No. Well, they've been talking about that forever. That's been like the, the biggest space. rumor for, like the past year was that uh pretty much described the exact last scene Except for the fact that instead of like flying into the ocean, he flew in space to set up Planet Hulk. So, like, obviously, someone had uh, seen this, uh, the end of the movie in the yeah. or script, and, and knew about it. But they just didn't quite catch the uh, context. Yeah. Beth, what are your overall thoughts? I I actually really really liked it. On a second viewing, it it may move up in the standings. Uh, I wouldn't mind if they recast Scarlet Witch as someone a little bit tougher in the next movie. That Olsen girl kind of looked like a bush baby. She was all like eyeballs and hair. <laughs> just I liked just, her. Eh. I liked her fine. Is she, uh, Meh. Is she an Olsen kid? She somehow? is an Olsen. She's a I younger did, Olsen, I think. Did not know that. She was in some crappy horror movie I saw, and I remember thinking, God, she's all eyes. And now she's all eyes and hair. But she brings so, that that weirdness and otherness that I feel like Wanda should have. That if she was some, like, model-looking person... She needed to be a Whedon girl, and I feel like she's a Whedon girl. She has a very specific look. She's got a vulnerability. Like, that puts her in danger of dying. You know how Joss Whedon loves to kill off the vulnerable-looking girl. Oh, no, you're right. Well, they all look kind of vulnerable. I mean, Yeah. Well, and he loves to put a redhead in danger. That's true. That's very true. Um, 
so yeah, I think even though we may have had some quirks with it, I mean, overall, I thought it was fantastic. I, I had a blast both times I watched it. I actually enjoyed it more the second time because I was able to, to pick up on some of the things that I was too, like, amped up to, to catch the first time around. But it delivered in a way that I never imagined that it could because the first movie gave us wow, look at all these characters from different movies, because the first movie made it real. As much as we enjoyed watching the different Marvel movies and seeing the little extra scenes and seeing Nick Fury talk to Tony Stark and and Tony Stark talk to the general what's-his-face from Hulk, Avengers made it real. It made this whole Marvel Universe thing a fact in a way that nothing else did. And that fact alone made it hard to top, but I really feel like this one over delivered on what I was expecting because it's it's a it's a difficult thing. One, you're calling it Age of Ultron, which an age you know the events of this movie took place over what maybe a week or so. You don't typically think of an age as lasting ten days, but. It worked in a global sense, in a, in a, in a time perspective where they were going after an age of peace. So it's, it's not necessarily the events of the movie, but I'm going off on a tangent here. I apologize. The rum is getting to me because this, <laughs> this souvenir Avengers cup that I got today is massive. So I way over calculated on how much rum I could put in it. Uh, I'm bragging. I no, no, I'm not bragging. It's sad. Uh, no, we're all jealous of your Hulk cup. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. It's totally awesome. I highly recommend you go to, uh, I think it's NCG Theaters has souvenir. I don't even know what that is. It's uh, it's it's like a new chain that's opening up, but they've got souvenir cups and souvenir popcorn buckets. But I, I'm afraid of popcorn, so I didn't get a popcorn bucket. Yeah. But anyway, uh, for me, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I, I just really was blown away by how good it ended up being. And I... I want to go around now and have everybody rank. I, you don't have to go down the list of Marvel movies because we don't have another half hour. But I just want you to tell us where this one falls, rank ranking wise, amongst the Marvel movies. For me, uh, it's number three. I Captain America. The first Captain America is my absolute favorite. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is behind that. And then this is a solid, solid number three. And with, with repeated viewings, I don't know. Those, those things could shift around. Uh, Captain America is my favorite for sentimental reasons, uh, more so than anything. But it's number three for me amongst the, what is, what are we at? 11 now? Or 10? Ten or let's just say ten or eleven Marvel ten. movies. Ten is, is what I have on my list. Okay, so ten Marvel movies. This is number three for me. Uh, Ryan, where does it fall for you? I've got it pretty low. <laughs> so really, yeah, oh yeah. My, I mean, my top ones like you are Winter Soldier, Guardians, and then Cap, First Avenger. This one falls down. I'll give it above Incredible Hulk and Thor two, but that's it. Wow. I am. Oh, see, I only had ten because I didn't include the Hulk. Sorry. Oh, okay. So it is eleven. I was right. It is eleven. Yay for me! I mean, story. So this is what number nine for you? Just about. This is below the first Thor. Yes. Wow! Holy shit! Iron Man three. 
Oh, Iron Man 2 is down there. Sorry. Yeah, Iron Man 2 is down there. Those are my so low what, ones. So number, Hulk, number, wise, number wise, where does this fall? Is it number eight? Yeah, that'd be eight. Okay. Wow. Killing Quicksilver for no reason. I'm sick of Joss Whedon putting quips everywhere. I can't be happier that he's off and the Russos are in for Avengers. I'm over it. Wow. And I'm o- I'm over people telling me that it's Whedon that's done all this stuff. No, it's not. John Favreau, Joe Johnson, those are the ones who yeah, made Kevin, these characters. Kevin Feige. Kevin Feige made these Kevin characters. Kevin Feige is the guy. Yeah. I you know, you can if you want to put all your Whedon tropes in a movie, go make Firefly again or go make something else, which I love. I love those shows. But it's too much. Interesting. I'm done, I'm done with it. <laughs> while while I don't agree with your placement, I I can't entirely disagree with your sentiment. You 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 raise some very good points. Uh, Jay, what about you? Um, I, I wouldn't say that low. I, I would definitely. It's, it's hard to put a number on it, but I would say it's definitely the top half. Um, because it, again, Guardians, um, the first Captain America, the second Captain America, um, they're, they're the first Avengers. There's so many good movies it, it's tough to uh surpass them but I, I wouldn't say it was the on the in the worst half i would definitely put them in the better half so i would say you know the top top five okay and beth what about you i'm on the unpopular side again apparently i'm the only one who put like the first captain america at the bottom Oh, you're oh, really you're crazy. I you're wrong. Like you're absolutely wrong. Your opinion is wrong. <laughs> that movie was so long. And so, so good. Long. So long, so good. Oh, so like, tonally I perfect. I riff track of it. it. felt so long. Oh, my gosh. I know. I'm sorry. No, that's... That, we are here. Everybody's, uh, you know, due to their own opinions, even if they're completely wrong. That's <laughs> wrong. My opinions are wrong. That's that's what makes these interesting and fun times. Is people like how much would this this episode have sucked if we all totally agreed on everything? That would have been really boring. So so that's why you invited me. Uh, right, to have we needed to that fight. dissenting. Well, no, you and Ryan both had some uh, some very uh, you know valid points about how this movie worked. Uh, so where where does it fall though? Where where is... um it's number four. Okay. So I would say Guardians is first, then the first Iron Man, the first Avengers, and then I would probably put Ultron right there above Thor 2, Iron Man 3, Cap 2, the first Thor, Iron Man 2, and then the first Captain America. Very interesting. I just don't like him. He's such a Boy Scout. It's like Superman. I like those qualities in... Somebody who is essentially still human, uh, whereas in Superman, I find them a little tiresome. I, I love the idea that Cap is mortal, you know, even though he may be a super mortal. I, I, I love his values. I love his passion. I, I just, I, I love that character. And yeah, that's, that, that's the whole dynamic. part of it. Yeah, yeah. because, uh, like, uh, he's still the real person, even though he has the superpowers. He still remembers how it's like not to have it. Right. So I think that's why, like, you know, him being the, the Boy Scout, like, I totally get and relate to, as opposed to Superman, where, like, he's the super-powered alien that just tries to fit in. Well, me, and, and they're, they're both just too nice. Well, so. with Cap, Cap would be doing the things he's doing 
whether he had his enhanced abilities or not. Now, granted, he wouldn't last as long, but he would make all the same decisions regardless of his abilities. Like, I, I, his steadfastness, I just, I love it. For me, it's the dynamic Cap brings with, you know, he came from this time where ideals meant something, and right. things were supposed to be this way, and there is a good, and there's a wrong, and now he's forced into a world where that's not the truth anymore. And that's what makes him so interesting. And what made Winter Soldier so awesome is that, you know, you see what would somebody who still believes in America think about the way things are run. And at the end of the day, he doesn't change. He yep. doesn't go with the flow. He still remains true to what he believes in. And that, to me, is is the best quality of any of these characters, all of whom I like to one degree or another. Uh, and we, we have and definitely... I like that that A doesn't stand for France. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, well, we've definitely... Uh, covered this movie i'm sure we've there are plenty of things that we overlooked but that's the nature of a podcast uh it is time for the belligerent monkey to plug away where can we find you online what are you doing soon uh as always uh belligerentmonkey.com it's my website uh next thing up uh is the kirkwood festival i think in uh, a couple weeks but uh, many more uh, festivals and shows after that, so just keep an eye on my website. Again, uh, belligerentmonkey.com. Thanks to uh, Odin's uh, Cosmic Games and whatnot uh, for a great free comic book day this past weekend. Uh, it was a great day, and uh, looking forward to next year. That's what I hear. I was not able to go, but I'm glad everybody had fun. <laughs> um, and coming soon... The Needless Things Facebook group, which will be an open group where if you listen to this podcast and you follow needlessthingssite.com where you can find the writings of Beth and uh, maybe something occasionally, what about once a year from Ryan maybe? Yeah, about that. Well, we'll Should be Star- more. We'll, we'll get a Star Wars <laughs> Black review every once in a while. But you're here on the podcast all the time, so we get to talk to you here. Um, I, but we will be opening up a Needless Things Facebook group where you can interact with all of us and talk about the kind of things that we talk about here on the show. You'll be able to suggest topics for the show and uh, have some direct input in, into what we do here. So the whole cast, uh, all of the Needless Things are regulars, will be available there to, to talk about whatever. Uh, but I think that's all we've got about Age of Ultron. Thank you guys so much for coming on and talking once again. Uh, I'm very glad uh, we got this group together. You guys are always always have good opinions, and I think we've got a great mix tonight. Uh, I, I I love that we have a couple of of you that maybe didn't love it as much as I did, because it's always good to hear that that perspective and hear different things about it. I really liked it. I just need to see it three or four more times. See, and that's how that's how I feel. Like I went and saw it this morning. I would go see it again tomorrow. No problem. And and that speaks a lot about the movie because there are plenty of movies I've liked that I couldn't watch as frequently, you know, as, as much as I want to watch this one lately. But uh, thanks again, and we will talk to you guys again soon. Thank uh, you. Thanks, guys. For... A lot of fun. You might notice that we didn't delve into any of the uh, sociopolitical aspects, I guess you might say, of the movie. Uh, in the way that the internet has been doing in a most tiresome manner for the past week. Uh, Needless Things is not the place for that. 
we don't care about that stuff. We don't want to talk about that stuff. We don't find it interesting. We'd much rather talk about the actual story points and execution of the movie rather than trying to parse everything down to some uh, meaning where everybody can get offended by specific aspects that were not intended to, to offend or to create any kind of particular statement in any particular manner. Uh, that stuff just bores the shit out of me. Well, it doesn't bore me. That's that's me trying to sound cool. It annoys the shit out of me. Uh, why can't we just sit back and, and enjoy fun things for what they are? Uh, the whole thing about Black Widow merchandise. First of all, there's so many lies about that situation because most articles you read say, There's no Black Widow merchandise! And that's a, that's a bold-faced lie. There's plenty of Black Widow merchandise. Go look for it. Google it. We have the internet. You know that thing that you guys, not you guys, obviously, that are listening to this show, because you guys are cool and don't look into that stuff, but uh, the guys that are complaining, you know, you're using the internet to complain, why don't you use it to look around, do a little fucking research before you start whining. I'm sorry, I don't want to end on a down note, I want to end on a happy note. Uh, so you can find Needless Things on iTunes and on Stitcher and at NeedlessThingsSite.com and at ESOPodcast.com where we talk about happy, delightful things and not about boring crap that people get all annoyed over. We will have more next week. I love you guys. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.